Nest Health, presented by the Royal Gazette and RG Mags, is your go-to health podcast. We connect you with the very best of Bermuda's health and wellness experts, enthusiasts and influencers, helping you get the very best from your mind and body. So go and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at The Royal Gazette and join the conversation every month. It starts right here. I'm Becky Ezekiel and welcome to Mindful Drinking, the third episode in the new 2022 series of the Best Health Podcast. Today I am very happy to welcome Anthony Santucci into the studio. Anthony graduated from Bermuda College, the Hotel School and the University of New Haven in Connecticut before attaining his certification in food and beverage management from Cornell University in New York. Professionally, he has a wealth of experience in the hotel industry both in Bermuda and across the US. But he also has a second career, dedicating his time to educating the community on the importance of responsible drinking. In 2004, Anthony joined CADA, a local charity whose goal is to encourage responsible alcohol behavior. The charity was founded in 1974 by two men from Alcoholics Anonymous who wanted to speak outside their anonymity on issues regarding alcohol in the community. And whilst the scope of the charity has changed over the years, its vision has remained the same, to change Bermuda's culture towards alcohol. And on an island where a lead cause of premature death is road collisions, the majority of which are caused by intoxication, it's a vision that's very worthwhile. So who better to talk to us about the importance of mindful drinking than the chairman of CADA, Anthony, welcome to Best Health. Oh my God, that's intense. Is <laughs> <laughs> that too full on? <laughs> I got to go modify that I web did, page. I did, I did my research. <laughs> hey, oh, Becky, how are you today? I'm very well. Thank you for coming in. And absolutely my pleasure. It's uh, an amazing studio. Yes. <laughs> we'll have to put some photos up. It's a lovely Listen, studio. I, I get to see you in person, and, you know, I don't, I, most days, these days, I do things via Zoom. Yes. I think, yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah, Zoom's kind of cool. Um, no, good. We're, we're so happy to have you in. And I have to say, before we get on to Mindful Drinking, I want to give a bit of a, a context because we're in Bermuda, Bermudians, we like our alcohol, and I don't want people to hear the topic and, and switch it off and think it's going to be an episode saying, let's go to hotel and stop drinking. So you and I are both Bermudian. <laughs> we, we are. We've talked offline about, yeah. you know, we both appreciate a Listen, nice red wine. Uh, I made no secret of the fact that I my favourite Red wine happens to be Russian River Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't like uh, Burgundy Pinot Noir for some strange reason. I don't like Oregonian Pinot Noir. I like Russian River Pinots. Fine. Uh, other than that, I'm going to hang out in the I believe it's right back, right bank of the Bordeaux, mm-hmm. where they have some really amazing Saint Emilions. Wow. Uh, so, other than that, give me some small batch bourbon. Oh yes, yes. And so. Hey, I'm, I'm Bermudian. You're Bermudian. Uh, so I'm not saying not to drink. Yes. And I don't think I've, I've, we've ever said that. Yeah. We really say be responsible with your consumption. Yeah. And understand the impact it has not just on you, but to those around you. Mm-hmm. And when I say those around you, I speak specifically of your kids. And no matter what Carter and any other agencies says to kids about alcohol and drugs, you have the most influence on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, appreciate that. Your kids mimic your behavior. Yeah. Uh, mommy and daddies, guardians, aunts, uncles understand that. That's that's critically important. Mm-hmm. 
they, kids get the message. Uh, Carter has an amazing life skills program, but the, our life skill program can never, ever, ever replace the influence that you have with your kid. Sure. And y- the young ones around you. So when we drink, drink responsibly. Yeah. Demonstrate it. You know, uh, I like you grew up in a household where there was a plentiful alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I never touched it. Okay. And that may have been because I was afraid of my father. I, I refused to accept that it was a different era mm-hmm. because I don't think anything really is different. It just continues to evolve. You know, mm-hmm. as, you know, we came from pirates as we, and here we are. Yeah. You know, we just need to understand that like anything in life. Uh, if you abuse it, it's bad for you. Mm-hmm. Whether it's tobacco, alcohol, candy, yeah. sugar. Everything in moderation. Really, mm-hmm. uh, alfalfa sprouts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're a fan of alfalfa sprouts. It can't be good for you if you eat them yeah. constantly, you know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so let's tell you what. I, I joined Carter mm-hmm. 100 years ago, it mm-hmm. seems. Uh, and it was really not my objective, quite honestly. I was sitting at my desk at that point in time at the Fairmont Southampton and the hotel manager, uh, Alan True, who's retired since then, came in and said, oh, I need you to do me a favor. So, of course, I suck my teeth. Yeah. Like, what does he need? <laughs> <laughs> I need you to go to this meeting for me on alcohol. I'm like, okay, all right, Alan. Where is it? I gave me the information. I popped into the city. Uh, went into a focus group with Nikki Medeiros, uh, Kenan Francis, and a few other people, and we had a serious conversation about alcohol. And I'm like, oh, okay. I really actually never thought about it that way. And most people don't know why you don't really necessarily bite my tongue, but if you ask for an opinion, I'm more than willing to share it. Sure. Uh, you know, and I shared my opinion, and they said, oh, okay. Uh, about a week later, they said, come on, hang out with us. Right. And as I had a, I love Nikki, who's an amazing woman, and I love Kenan Francis, who's a super amazing guy. We started hanging out together. What was um, Bermuda's culture to alcohol then? Do you think it's uh, much you different? Uh, yeah. I, I say that, yeah, with enthusiasm, quite honestly. Uh, Carter and its board and its volunteers and, and its supporting agencies, whether they be the DNDC, uh, Pride, the Family Resource Center, uh, we have had some uh, a piece of the rock, I'm just trying to pop names, you know. I sure. think of Sherilyn and those guys. We just ha- we just set, sort of evolved in a, at a point in time where things just sort of synergized really, really nicely. You know, back in 2004, thereabouts, we didn't really talk about drinking and driving. Mm-hmm. We sort of knew, mm-hmm. but it was there was no concerted communication plan. And so we put together a communication plan. And we revamped ourselves a little bit to focus specifically on alcohol. And then we, believe it or not, uh, hired this amazing woman named Adaronka Badabosi. And we said, we don't have any money, but we need some real help. And designing a communication plan to deal with this issue. And we worked with uh, the Stratford Group, uh, Adaronka's company at the time. And we spent hours and 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 hours, quite frankly, crafting a communication plan. And Adaranker teaching us, quite honestly, uh, how to communicate mm-hmm. this singular message, mm-hmm. you know. And what, what did that plan look like at the time? In the early stages, it really was about gathering attention. You know, we had crashed cars, mm-hmm. you know, and... It, if you, if we spent a whole night putting 
UFO accidents throughout the island. Wow. We, back, we had them in Somerset, through St. George's, there were cars piled upon cars. Wow. And when people got up in the morning, they wrote down the road, my God, there's an accident last night. And, we're, and there were maybe a, there were 10 of those throughout Bermuda. And wow. uh, it, people were like, oh my gosh, what happened last night? You know, all of a sudden, and then with that, that got their attention. That got people talking. And once, no, no, it got them talking about the accident, mm-hmm. which didn't happen. But it, what it got them to do is to stop or internalize. Okay, yeah. And then when they say, who did that? And then we say, it was caught in. This is. Do you know that seventy-seven percent of all alcohol, uh, all accidents in Bermuda are alcohol have drugs and alcohol in them? Ah. And what we suggest as a solution would be sobriety checkpoints, reducing, putting in mandatory carding, and then we just start listening, uh, giving a list of things that we suggest that we have, mandatory carding, sobriety checkpoints, tips, training, intervention procedures, all things that are necessary to start changing Bermuda's culture towards alcohol. And where do you think that driving culture comes from? Because it seems really in lot in Bermuda culture. Any other country around the world, I, you know, I lived in the UK for a long time, you wouldn't think about drink driving, but I think even expats who move here, it doesn't take long to kind of get <laughs> used to <laughs> this know. idea. In England 20 years ago, they were where Burrito is. Mm-hmm. And they, like we re- realised we had a problem, and they, through the policy of decision makers, decided to address it. Mm-hmm. And they did. They said, we're outlawing drinking and driving. We're going to make it a criminal offense. Bang, 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 bang. Mm-hmm. That it. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, people are like, oh, my God, you got, drunk. You got a DUI. You're going to lose your job. And they really bro- uh, cracked down on it really hard because they needed and understood that they needed to have what I always call the SEE, the significant ocean experience for an entire con- nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's take, we don't really operate like that in Bermuda, mm-hmm. you know, and whether it's a- and any – any policy we implement as a government, uh, or maybe that's acceptable as a people, tends to always be a, a piecemeal approach. And we complain about that a lot. Mm-hmm. But it's fortunately or unfortunately how we've always done things. And I'm not suggesting and advocating that that should be the way we do things because, quite frankly, it's a whole lot easier to just go straight at it. But it's whether it's... Drinking and driving, how do we manage health care, how do we manage uh, how much sugar we eat, and how we start communicating things like this. We seem to have evol- evolved as a nation and that we just take really small steps yeah. in everything we do, you know. And that people like me find that frustrating. And there are a lot of people like me that find that frustrating. Right. So Carter brought in these sobriety checkpoints, is that right? You kind uh, of pushed for it for a uh, while. It, we... we Push forward for a fair period of time, and we always uh, we found those guys, or those guys found us, and we got together. We brainstormed, like, listen, we are here for one thing. Uh, it's not about egos. We this is the policy we like. Do you, do you, does it make sense to you? If it does, then let's 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 work together. And we and we did. Uh, we just it just you know things happen. You know we found successive uh, ministers that were very receptive. At the end of the day, we had a minister that came on board uh, who was not a part of this piecemeal approach. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't. And he says, no, we've been talking about this for 10 years. Let's get it done. Yeah. And he yeah. came in, bang, it was done. Mm-hmm. Literally, mm-hmm. overnight, boom, sobriety checkpoints. Yeah. Wow. There had been a lot of legwork done sure. for him, uh, no doubt, but he understood the importance the and 
we now we argue about whether we should tell people about them or not. Mm-hmm. You know, and what do you think? I don't have to think. Becky's <laughs> 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 like, oh, he's so crass. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I don't. Uh, th- the reality fact is, is that my organization has always advocated for sobriety checkpoints, mm-hmm. and we made a decision when we started advocating for sobriety checkpoints about the type of sobriety checkpoints that made sense to us living in Bermuda, mm-hmm. and we have always advocated for them to be advertised. Okay. And sobriety checkpoints are not meant to be punitive. Mm-hmm. Sobriety checkpoints are meant to change behaviors. Right. And be punitive doesn't achieve the objective. If people know you're having them and they modify their behavior, really, we're achieving our objective. Yeah. And in the first few years of sobriety checkpoint, pre-COVID, our numbers were coming down nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, at prior to that, we had about 77% of fatalities had alcohol and drugs. You know, just before COVID, we were at 55%. So you sort of see the numbers as a percentage came down significantly, you know, not 55 to 75, but Mm -hmm. that's like 60% drop in alcohol, drug-related collisions, you know, and then we had COVID and, you know. We are where we are. We are. (laughs) You you know, and that's okay. And what changes did you see to Bermuda's attitude towards alcohol over COVID since COVID? Uh, Prior to COVID, we were just like on a really good, a good, for left, I don't want to say a good rule, but you know, mm-hmm. we had just about 20,000 people taken in through our Let Us Drive program, which was sponsored by Bacardi. And I tell everybody, that's a program that's been in place for a decade. So a decade, we've taken 20,000 people who are young adults that really are evolved in an environment where you had an alternative to getting them safe. Mm-hmm. You know, and, that's, and that starts, that's where relationships and cultures change. You know, we do a, a lot of, Life skills program, and I won't name the schools because then I'll get beat up for why aren't they in my school. But we <laughs> run about 100 kids through our life skills program every year that deals with alcohol, drugs, bullying, and we do that through our sister agency, Prime, you know? And those start to change behaviors. Mm-hmm. You know, so you get 20,000 drunk kids home, you get 1,000 kids understanding alcohol and drug abuse. You start to see changes. And those are cultural changes. Now, they yeah, COVID, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Ya cousin. <laughs> I'm calling him Ya cousin, Becky. They <laughs> <laughs> got a lot of cousins. Yeah. They got COVID 1, COVID 2, COVID 3, COVID 19. You know, when, I, when they said Omnitron, I said, isn't that like, you know, the, the, those robot things? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, the robot that, the, 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 you know, the like robots and then they drop into cars yes. or trucks? Yeah, the like, Transformer. Uh, Transformer. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, like, yeah. isn't that like Omnitron, the Transformer? Yes. Uh, there is one. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, but very, you, yes, but you're feeling me, right? Yeah, I do. So, uh, things changed. Uh, things uh, changed. We stopped driving cars mm-hmm. and bikes and boats. And in Venice, they saw dolphins for the first time right. forever. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty amazing. It is. You know, if you were in Venice before COVID, you couldn't see the bottom of the ocean. Mm-hmm. Then three months later, dolphins were swimming in the canal. And you can see the bottom. It's pretty amazing. It's beyond amazing. Mm-hmm. And it speaks to Mother Nature and her endurance and her ability to heal and her ability to heal quickly. Mm-hmm. And us. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's not what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more of the, uh, the stress Mer- that brought. That's right. That but, 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 but I, 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 I segue into that because mm-hmm. really 
we live in an amazing environment and we need to really appreciate where we live. Uh, and I'm not an environmentalist by any stretch of the imagination, but we just need to appreciate that. We yeah. stayed at home. Yeah. We drank more. Yes. We exercised less. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we really stopped drinking responsibly. It really did. I mean, the fact that alcohol sales up by COVID by, what, 30%. Uh, domestic violence is up by 30%. Uh, Hepatitis-related diseases up by 30 to 14 to 40% in women. I'm thinking, like, how do you know that already? You know, but I have, unfortunately, unfortunately, I have to work with some amazing people and, you know, and you go down, you have these conversations, and they throw numbers in, they create models. And they say, you know, we're modeling this. Yes. I'm like, you're kidding. And yeah. uh, uh, and those are the things we don't talk about. You know, the mortality, mobility of alcohol abuse and its long-term impact, whether it's breast cancer, throat cancer, uh, hepatitis in women. And I don't know why it doesn't beat up guys just as badly as women. I, I would like it to, but it hasn't so far. You know, mm. and one of the sort of most, uh, as I talked about my consumption of wines and spirits a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, the other day one of my associates sent me a link about wines and spirits and I always advocate for health labels. Mm -hmm. On wines and spirits, we should know how many calories are in a, a bottle of wine, how many calories are in a shot, what negative potential impact they have on our health. Uh, we're great advocates of that and that's sort of where we're at as well. You know, they say, oh, do you know two glasses of wine exceeds your daily requirement of sugar? I'm like, stop. What do you think about teaching young people? At what point do you think we need to start educating people about? Uh, life skills starts at six. At six? Yep. Okay, so very young. Uh, it's, it's critical. The life skills program uh, takes them from, I'm going to call it primary school, mm -hmm. middle school, and high school, because that's my age group. Sure. And there are programs that we run through Pride that deal with all those age groups. Uh, and again, it's critical. It's about education and a part of the life skill program at the initial stages, that quite honestly, is that there is a pride does this component where they sit down with parents and have those conversations with their parents, quite frankly. So it isn't like we, we they show up in school and start teaching this program. It's, it's parental involvement is critically important sure. because they, again, kids mimic parents, guardians. Mm -hmm. and they have to carry it. They through have home. to carry it through home, yeah. you know, and. So it's, 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 and it's a very successful program. Mm -hmm. It has measurable results, and we all like to talk about results, but uh, Life Skills provides measurable results. Great. The sweet spot for us in our programming and our communication and advocacy tends to be the 25 to 30 year old male. Mm -hmm. And we never know how to find them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I am how not going like to lie. <laughs> I am not going to lie to you. We try everything, you know, we got. Mountain biking, football, yeah. we have it all. But you know, the one time we hit it out of the park in mm. terms of communication was the most, the one guy that hit that communication out of the park without us ever knowing he would do it would be Dr. Francione. And did not ask me why Joe did it. Mm -hmm. uh, Joe gave a presentation and we must have hit about 44,000 in that algorithm that quarter. Wow. Joe's numbers just went right through the hills. So wow. kudos to my friend Joe. Whatever he does, the message gets through to that yeah. age group. Yeah. Uh, and that very sensitive thing, you know, he's, he'll hit me for mentioning his name. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, but Dr. Francione, you know, he, he communicates. Mm -hmm. 
and the end it hits that age group. And do you think, um, are we seeing a change with the younger generation coming through? Because I don't know so much here, but we're seeing a lot of low and no alcoholic options um, becoming quite popular. And people seem to be a bit more aware of their health uh, as they're coming up. Are you seeing that here? Alcohol producers are savvy. Mm -hmm. uh, the marketing departments are savvy. Uh, we, uh, parents, guardians, and advocacy organizations need to be as savvy and as receptive and understand that the market is ever-changing. Uh, Instagram is a powerful tool. Facebook is powerful. Instagram is seriously powerful. And mm -hmm. uh, pretty little drinks aren't necessarily always good for you. So I hedge when you ask me, uh, the younger generation, the younger generation have a lot more to deal with mm -hmm. in terms of marketing and peer pressure and all the it's other things. Constant, it's pretty constant. It's beyond constant. Yeah. And I just want to go back to um, the programs you talked about that Carter do, because you touched briefly on the uh, life skills. Yep, so we do life skills. Yeah. Uh, to, I'm going to say primary, middle, and high school. Mm -hmm. uh, those are kids that we teach about alcohol and drug abuse, bullying, peer pressure, all that wonderful stuff. We actually run those programs through our sister agency, Pride. Uh, Mrs. Terrell Lendy and her group down there do an amazing job. Uh, Terrell took over from Judith Burgess. Everybody knows Judy. Uh, and that's where we run that program through them. Uh, we have the Let Us Fry program, which is taking about just under 20,000 people home in its inception. Will we start that back up? We stopped that during COVID for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, we ran it at Christmas mm -hmm. and did fairly well. We had some, some serious pickup over the holiday period. So we're working with Bacardi, quite honestly, to see how we do that. We do the training and dimension procedures, which deals with behavior cues, intoxication rate factors, all those things you to keep in mind when serving and selling alcohol. Okay. And those are, uh, and advocacy, and those are the principal programs that we do. Before we finish, we always try and give a few kind of helpful tips to people around, so in this case, mindful drinking. Yeah. Do you have any takeaways for uh, people? Uh, 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 April is Alcohol Awareness Month. Yes. Uh, for us at Carter, the, there'll be a lot of inf information going out during that point in time. We'll talk about alcohol and breast cancer. We'll talk about wine and that two glasses a day exceeds the sugar. <sighs> you know, we'll talk about healthcare warnings and labels and alcohol-related disease it, uh, at, it, for women as it relates to hepatitis. But really, no alcohol day is sort of a really big day for us. And mm -hmm. it isn't. No, and no, it really is K-N-O-W. Really, we don't say don't drink that day anymore. We stopped that about a decade ago. Uh, but know your alcohol consumption. Sit down and have those critical conversations with your kids and your peers uh, about alcohol and alcohol-related illnesses. Dry January was an amazing event this year. Mm -hmm. uh, it continues to grow, but no alcohol day. K-N-O-W. Spend some time. Yeah. Think about alcohol. I know we all are coming out of COVID, and we're, no, we're not coming out of COVID. We're learning to live with COVID. We are. Yeah, it, you know, I don't think it's ever going to be gone. It's mm -hmm. not going to be gone. But we need to learn to live with it and get on with our lives and start being mindful and healthy and understand life is precious and short. And remember those dolphins. Sure. <laughs> remember those dolphins. Remember the dolphins. Three months. Yeah. And guess what? They're swimming in the canal. Mm -hmm. And we want to be like those dolphins. We okay. want to be, in my case, after 40 years of smoking, I don't anymore. Uh, take some time. Take care of yourself. Yeah. E enjoy life and the things it has to offer. But remember the dolphins. You want to be swimming in those canals. Sure. 
And when it, when is No Alcohol Day? No Alcohol Day is the April. last Friday in April. The last Friday in April. Okay. I think that's the 29th. 29th that's right. of April. I know. It's scary, isn't it? Yeah. And April 1st is a Friday. Is it? Yes, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, okay. Get involved in that. And then people can find you on the uh, Carter website. Go to Carter Facebook. website, Facebook, yeah. Twitter. Mm-hmm. We're hanging out. Thank Becky, you so much for thank coming you f- in. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks that's for giving this time in the platform. Thank you. Take care. First, I want to say a huge thank you to Anthony for taking the time to come in. I know he and the team at Carter are extremely busy. If you are concerned about your drinking or that of someone you care about, or you just want some more information on how to drink responsibly, please get in touch with Carter. We'll put all of their details in the show notes below. Thank you very much for listening. Make sure you head over to our social media pages and let us know what you thought of today's topic. We are at RG Mags and at the Royal Gazette on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. See you all next time.